Would you please pray with me? God of grace and glory, speak to us again of amazing things, of a love that comes down to us that we might be raised up. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Since February 24th, two and a half million refugees, including one million children, have fled Ukraine. Over the past week, we've watched footage of a family killed on the spot by shelling. We've seen people living in basements of bombed buildings with no heat, running water, or electricity. We've learned that schools, orphanages, hospitals, maternity wards, and humanitarian corridors have been targeted. We worry that nuclear power plants will be bombed. The utter vulnerability of the Ukrainian people, of humanity, is almost too much to bear. We want so much to help both those who are fleeing and those who are staying. As war escalates, we can't help but worry about the vulnerability of people in neighboring countries and even of ourselves. How are we to attend to such vulnerability? Vulnerability is found at the very heart of the gospel. It is found in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Jesus' example has a lot to teach us about vulnerability and about the situation the world is in right now. The Apostle Paul sums it up in the centerpiece of his letter to the Philippians, which we will say later as our affirmation of faith. The verses praise Jesus Christ as the one who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In Jesus' example, we know that it's not only humanity that is vulnerable, but also God. Even though these verses have been known well by Christians throughout the ages, existing as a hymn that was circulating even before the Apostle Paul included it in his letter, it's nevertheless shocking to our sensibilities. It's shocking that God would choose to become so vulnerable. It's shocking that a people would understand this to be praiseworthy, that this would be indispensable to the reason they follow Christ. It's shocking that the cross, a method of public execution, would become a symbol that as early as the second century, Christians themselves used in, in their own iconography and associated with themselves, despite the fact that they were mocked for it. It stands in such contrast with the kind of inscriptions and signs with which people usually associate themselves. It was not shocking, for example, to learn that an inscription of a Z 
has shown up painted on Russian military vehicles and taped onto the outfit of a gymnast standing on the medal podium of a World Cup event. According to the Russian Ministry of Defense, the letter Z stands for victory. Years ago, after visiting a small chapel on the Mount of Olives, from which one can look out over on Jerusalem, author Barbara Brown Taylor described an image depicted there on the front of an altar. She wrote, It was a mosaic medallion of a white hen with a golden halo around her head. Her red comb resembled a crown, and her wings were spread wide to shelter the pale yellow chicks that crowded around her feet. There were seven of them, with black dots for eyes and orange dots for beaks. They looked happy to be there. The hen looked ready to spit fire if anyone were to come near her babies. This image of a hen comes from the lament that appears in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, in which Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing Barbara Brown Taylor wrote about this image because it struck her, shocked her really, that all of all the animals with which Jesus could have compared himself, Jesus chose a hen. Why not the mighty eagle of Exodus or the stealthy leopard in Hosea? Why not the proud lion of Judah? Instead of any of these, Jesus chose a hen. About this depiction, Barbara Brown Taylor wrote how clear it was that Jesus won't be king of the jungle in this or any other story. What he will be is a mother hen who stands between her chicks and those who mean to do them harm. She has no fangs, no claws, no rippling muscles. All she has is her willingness to shield her babies with her own body. If the fox wants them, he will have to kill her first, which he does, as it turns out. She dies where both foxes and chickens can see her, wings spread, breast exposed. Barbara Brown Taylor goes on to say, It breaks her heart, but it doesn't change a thing. If you mean what you say, then this is how you stand. Facing the destruction of Jerusalem that would take place in 70 AD, why would Jesus depict himself as a hen, not as a lion? Why would Jesus choose an image of such vulnerability? Why would his followers choose to associate themselves with the emblem of the cross? Vulnerability is an enduring feature of our lives. It is shocking, really that we bear a sign and follow a way that does not shield us from, hide from, deny or reject vulnerability. As bearers of the cross, we are not promised victory. In sending his disciples out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal, Jesus made no such promise. 
Instead, Jesus said to his disciples, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Wherever they do not welcome you, as you are leaving that town, shake the dust off your feet. To be dispersed into the world with nothing but the clothes on one's back, with no guarantee of welcome, success, safety, or victory, we are sent out into the world quite vulnerable. Does this mean God's mission can fail? From what Paul says, it doesn't at all seem like it. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. Jesus, who was so vulnerable that he was killed by a brutal empire, was glorified by God. His glorification was not despite his vulnerability, but by virtue of it. If we go back to that ancient hymn that Paul cites and makes the centerpiece of his letter to the Philippians, we find that it ends not with Jesus' suffering, but with his glorification. What began with Jesus, though he was in the form of God, humbling himself to the point of being a slave, obedient to the point of death, even on a cross, ended with these verses. Therefore God also highly exalted him, gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and even under the earth. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That we are vulnerable does not mean that we are prone only to suffering, harm, and devastation. Vulnerable, we are susceptible also to transformation. We are susceptible to being conformed to Christ to living as he did, as citizens of heaven, and thereby to being transformed into something glorious. This is Paul's main point. When he encouraged the Christians in Philippi to stand firm in the Lord, to resist enemies of the cross, to live as citizens of heaven. Paul writes, our citizenship is in heaven and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. End of quote. You and I may associate heaven as that place in the sky to which we go when we die, or as life after death. The Bible speaks of heaven as God's dwelling place. 
Whatever comes from God is said to come from heaven. God's word, manna, Jesus, all came down from heaven. This direction of coming from heaven to earth is, according to biblical scholar Christopher Morse, key to understanding the difference that heaven makes on earth. Studying all the passages in which the Bible speaks of heaven, Christopher Morse has come to understand the significance of heaven no longer as the place to which we go, but as the place from which God comes here. And as such, when Jesus speaks of heaven, when Paul speaks of heaven, they're not referring to some withdrawal from the world or escape from the earth. Rather, they're speaking of God taking a new course of action to make the kind of home with us that will prove to be the right home for us. As citizens of heaven, we are to walk and wrestle on earth as Jesus did, to work and pray for God's kingdom as Jesus did. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The direction is from there to here. Even when Jesus is lifted up onto a cloud and ascends into heaven, the disciples gazing up toward heaven are asked by two men in white robes who suddenly appear beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. As those whose citizenship is in heaven, we too are to live as though heaven were at hand, as though the kingdom of God were at hand, as though the day of the Lord were at hand. All this is contrary to the idea that heaven is some sweet by and by reserved for later, Heaven makes an unambiguous, concrete difference in what is actually taking place here today. Yes, the earth and all that is in it, the world and all the people, are incredibly, heartbreakingly vulnerable. There are times when this vulnerability seems too much to bear. It is at such times that we must remember that the same vulnerability that makes us susceptible to harm and devastation also makes us susceptible to transformation, to become a new creation, to be conformed to Christ. The same vulnerability makes us susceptible to being glorified by Christ. Just as God transformed Christ's humiliation into glory, Christ will transform the body of our humiliation into the body of his glory. Amen.